Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome to the Framestore podcast, a podcast dedicated to learning and talent development created by Framestore for Framestore. In this two-part episode, we're changing the format a little by celebrating and reflecting on this year's Pride Month, which took place in June. To do that, we have two special guests joining us to answer the Framestore podcast daily's questions. Our usual 13 questions will be divided between today's part one and part two, which will be released this Thursday. Joining us for this conversation are Jack Grealish, London-based VFX shoot manager, and Gabby Siegel, our LA studio operations lead. We delve into the significance of Pride Month, why the celebration is so important, and of course, how they both celebrated it. We also open up the dailies questions and discuss early career experiences, life at Framestore, and of course, favorite Framestore projects. So get cozy, lean back, and immerse yourself in episode 24 of the Framestore podcast, our extra special Pride Month episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Framestore podcast. Every two weeks, we invite both a guest from our global Framestore community and a co-host with a keen interest in our guest's role, craft or career path, and we let the magic happen. On this week's episode, though, we're doing things a little differently as we are both celebrating and looking back across this year's Pride Month that took place in June. And to do that, we have two special guests that will take on the Framestore podcast dailies session, our 13 question grilling, that will extend across today's part one and part two that will be out this Thursday. So let's do the intros. In no particular order, we have a London-based VFX shoot manager who started out as a Framestore runner in the summer of 2013 and in the last 10 years has quickly powered through a production career path from assistant to coordinator to production manager, associate producer, and now in a unique onset production role that I'm positive we will find out more about on this week's pod. Welcome, Jack Grealish. Also joining us on our Pride special, we have our LA-based studio operations lead, a psychology graduate of California State University, who started out in VFX at MPC in 2017, then quickly joined Framestore the following year as a scheduler and never looked back. In just 17 months of joining, she was promoted to studio operations lead in the Mighty Facilities team. Welcome, Gabby Siegel. Both Gabby and Jack are joining this week's podcast as talented members of our Framestore community, but also because they identify with pride. Welcome to the podcast, both. How the devil are you? One take. Oh, well done. well done. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Quick question. Is it scheduler or scheduler? It comes up on lots of episodes. What's the what's the what's the word on the street? Um scheduler in, in uh America. But I think Europe is different though. It's probably why not it's not really. There's lots of what's your take on it, Jack? Just out of interest. I, I don't I mean it's not a word that, that falls out of my mouth often anyway, <laughs> because I, I don't really adhere to many schedules that that last so it doesn't really matter it's a schedule 
schedule schedule schedule yeah, yeah schedule i'd say to be honest yeah yeah, yeah i'm more, more in schedule but a lot of brits say schedule and it's all lies regardless it's all lies it's all smoke and mirrors isn't it tomato tomato yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We're not here to talk about the the, <laughs> the vernacular of uh, of schedule or schedule, but it does it does interest me. So thank you both for joining this episode. We've been keen to do a um, a pride special. Admittedly, full disclosure, I tried to get this like get, get this planned in June, but it didn't happen. So this is more of a reflective episode where we're looking back over the, uh, the, the month of June, where we celebrated Pride in various ways, shapes and forms. And uh, you're both here as recommended folk from our talent team, actually. I went to bat and spoke to Amy Smith and spoke to all manner of, uh, of talent managers to get the, uh, the, 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 the wish list guests and, and both your names uh, came up at the top. So okay. thank you for making the time because you both have very busy jobs in very different, not just geographic, different geographic locations, but completely different um kind of career modes as well if that's fair to say yeah i bet yeah it's it's been pretty busy on my end we've got a lot a lot on but now i'm I'm absolutely thrilled to be here it's, it's thank you for having me yeah same an honor really yeah no well yeah i'm flattered but yeah it's great to have you both on on the podcast for sure and this is a different one because you're both special guests so normally we would have the co-host situation with this you're both special guests you're both going to go through the daily session over the this the course of this week so this is very much an experiment so please work with me as we uh, i get you to both to, to both answer both sets of, well, all 13 sets of questions so uh, before we get into uh talking about pride uh, i wanted to talk a bit about your your roles actually um if we could start with you, Jax, I remember you were kind of the first guest that I got locked down. Um, I did say in the uh, the intro that you have quite a unique role in production as a, a VFX shoot manager. You don't come across that job title that often. What is a typical day or is there a typical day? There, it absolutely isn't a typical day. I mean, the best, the best way that I explain it is, you know, traditionally on a production, you would have a client side VFX team. Uh, who would be studio-based, they would be present during filming, they would gather all the data and make sure everything's scanned and collected for our lovely VFX artists to do their jobs efficiently. Um, And that takes a lot of production support. So there's, you know, there's production assistants, coordinators, um, managers on that side as well. There's a whole other different world um, that a lot of people don't ever get exposed to. So I was fortunate enough to um, sort of be seconded out to um, the client side when Framestore did his dark materials. Mm -hmm. And we did that for about five years over three seasons. And um, yeah, I just loved it so much. You know, when you've done something for 10 years, it's really hard to sort of go back, transition via osmosis back into the old ways. So, and I didn't really want to do it anyway. I quite, I quite, quite liked this new style of working and, yeah. yeah, I was very, very lucky and fortunate to um, to to have another very large project uh, happen on the back of it. So that's why I'm still employed, I believe. Um, <laughs> that's why I still have a job. Um, so yeah, it's 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 absolutely not um, common. I don't I don't really know of anyone else that does what I do in a VFX capacity. I know that the mm-hmm. IA team do a lot of on shoot, yeah. you know work for commercials and vr work but yeah not for a permanent vfx production role yeah and it sounds like quite a, a fast-paced role i imagine i mean you, you, you're rarely stuck behind a yeah a desk you know you're hands-on if that's a fair assumption definitely 
it's got a, it's got a different timeline to be honest it's it's really busy on the front end and then well especially if you're if you're doing the traditional sort of like client side role you're really busy up front because that's where the filming happens and then once you've turned over to the post house or you know uh, it went you into vfx you're really just at the behest of people delivering on time and making sure we get those notes and you know sorting all those deliveries out it isn't it isn't easy work yeah but it's it's a it's a different tempo for sure and i'm currently in the fast torrent of shooting um which is why i look so tired and haggard and um, my voice is so drained i suppose <laughs> you, look, you look fine to me jack honestly for, for the listeners for the listeners at home <laughs> You're a so you're for both very very well turned out but uh yeah, and I'm sure we'll touch on your role uh, in a bit more detail as we go through the next uh, two parts of this particular episode, Jack, but thanks for sharing that. And Gabby, all the way over in uh, in California. Um, so you're the studio operations lead, you know, is that yes. is that a facilities management, management role or is it bigger than that? Um, I think it's bigger than that. It's I think it's uh, taken on more as it's kind of grown. Um, it's definitely changed since I started. Um, yeah. The beginning, I was kind of in the day-to-day operations of actual production um, and then slowly started to pick up some actual facilities work. So if you had mm. told me when I took this job that I'd be dealing with mold remediation and electricity and all sorts of stuff, I would have mm. left. But um, yeah, it's a, I work with a, an operations manager as well, so we kind of share the roles a bit. Um, but a lot of just running the facility, um, it's a little easier now with not a lot of bodies in because of COVID, but um, mm. still have to keep the office running. Um, and then, yeah, in the production, the day-to-day, just to kind of, I call myself like a glorified communicator <laughs> um, between all the support staff. So I, uh, if production has a problem or if something's not flowing correctly, I know the people who to talk to in order to create um, a functioning workflow. Sure. Well, I'm sure it's not glorified, Gabby. It's very much uh, <laughs> required. Me, like but... a, yeah. When you were in, you you said that I had the psychology uh, degree, which I always oh, yeah. forget that I have, but it always comes into play with the communication and stuff. So that's good. And I guess that's the one thing that you both have in common with your roles, right? I mean, that's got to be the bedrock of both jobs, positions that you you have is the art of communication, whether you're a psychology graduate or or not. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the bedrock. Yeah. Communication key, as they say. It is, and it comes up, admittedly, it comes up on every single episode. I'm sure our our heavy subscription base are getting bored of us talking about communication, <laughs> communication. but it is so fundamental. Yeah. It is. I'm always, always banging that drum. So it's, it's a pleasure to have you both. Now, we're here to celebrate Pride Month. It's whizzed by, as this year is. Um, June came and went super duper quickly. And... Uh, I know we did a lot of activity uh, as part of our social equity board, and we were. I think there's parades happening all over the, all over the world. Uh, I know we had the the London uh, Pride Parade that just went this this last weekend. But I want to talk to you both about the significance of Pride Month for you and why it matters. Not necessarily why it matters broadly, but actually what it, how it resonates for you as individuals. Perhaps we can start with uh, with, with Gabby and, and, and go to Jack. Um, I think for me personally, I, it's just a a month for me to be unapologetically loud and proud. Um, I like my backgrounds on zoom calls are always like flags. I put a little emoji in my signature, a little rainbow. Um, so it just gives me a bunch of little excuses to really 
just be proud of of who I am. Um, not saying that the rest of the 11 months I'm not proud, but yeah. um, it kind of gives just as a whole everyone to just kind of go out there and be really just proud of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sure you can put lots of emojis and kind of interesting backgrounds on your Zoom calls throughout the year, you could. right? But yeah, but you, you get that extra that extra uh, yeah um, license to go. Exactly. And it's hard, it's hard to explain to be like, when you get asked that question, it's like, well, why do you only get a month? I mean, every time I say it, I'm like, I'm proud all the time. Um, But it does allow everyone to kind of like put their flags up and just have everyone be aware of it. So I think that's good. Yeah. And what a question to you both, really, what is your take on that? Because we talk about this a lot when we have, you have your various preordained months and weeks and days throughout every year. And have the work that I do with Access VFX and uh, the, the kind of circles that I roll in, I often get frustrated that, you know, we, yeah, I will almost want to celebrate Pride when it's not Pride Month. Almost, let's do, right. let's celebrate Pride in March and do a big splash rather than kind of the, the month where we're supposed to. But, you know, what, what's, what are your thoughts around the, 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 the diversity calendar versus actually, uh, you know, it's almost the question, why are we still having to have these stakes in the ground? Should it not be part of our day to day? Or is that a very naive view? on my part it's a it's I think it's a great question um I don't know if there is an answer honestly like personally I don't know just because it on one hand it's like no we should do this every single month of the year and on the other hand it's like yeah give me this month like that's yeah. awesome let's do it um so I'm I'm split between them I'm not going to complain yeah but <laughs> what about you Jack what's your take I mean again I'd love to hear what how pride month resonates for you and maybe your take on my earlier question as well it, it, it is a difficult sort of question to even ask yourself I suppose it's it's not Mm. one that we always sort of have on our mind but when I did actually sort of sit down with myself and think about it I I did realize that it it's changed it used to mean one thing years ago and and it changed as the years went on I remember when but even before I came out it was it it was just this periphery thing that I was you know courting on the sly and I would, I would never get to go because you know for fear of you know raising questions of why mm. do you want to go to pride or why do you want to go to the parade blah 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 but then you know you, you come out eventually um and it you know it just becomes an excuse of pure partying and to celebrate being queer and getting pissed with your mates and that's all well yeah. and good and it still continues to be that for a lot of people um but now that I'm I'm getting a bit older I find myself thinking about what pride was born out of you know it wasn't born mm. out of an of a want of celebrating sexuality it was born out of a of a need um for equal white rights and yeah. um, it was it, you know for our equal equal standing in society as everyone else mm. and i think you know even though we're much much better off than um where we were there's there's still a lot to do. The fight still continues for many of us. There are still, you know, 64 countries, which is almost a third of the world, that being gay is illegal in. Yeah. Yeah. And even in this country, we've got the inhumane sort of conversion therapy for trans people still alive and well. So it for me, nowadays, Pride Month, as opposed to the year of being proud, is really kind of focusing the vision of where we are today where we've come from and where we still need to go yeah i love that that's great yeah yeah it keeps it on people's agenda keeps it yeah 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 particularly the kind of you know the fact that the 
that, that, that challenge, that, that, that uh, kind of fight for yeah, LGBTQI plus rights is still, you know, that war still rages on. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. That's really interesting. That's really, really interesting. And uh, it's interesting, I did a, uh, years ago, I did uh, with, the, we have QVFX as part of the Access VFX uh, group, and we did a panel discussion. And it was all about coming out. It was all about, you know, and it was a, a panel of lots of people from different studios. And the thing I took away from it as a kind of ally and something that I hadn't really thought about is when you think about coming out, it's almost that the archetype of coming out to your family. And then once you've come out to your family, that's it, you're out. And then from an industry point of view, particularly the mood, and I know you, you know, Jack, you've been with Framestore for 10 years and, yeah. and Gabby, you've been with Framestore for a, for a good seven years. Um, but a lot of people bounce around industry quite a lot. And, and what we got from that is you almost find yourself perpetually coming out. So when you start in your role, it's like, right, it's almost reset. And then it's like, right, when do I come out? But then I started thinking, why do you have to? You know, it's all this, I get so obsessed with these questions. It's like almost, like I, I don't know, I find it fascinating in terms of going from role to role to role where you're constantly in this this battle of going right I've got to come out again I've got to come out again you know it's not like you do you put it on your application form or you mm-hmm. I don't know I mean I'm going around in circles here help me out Gabby and Jack <laughs> does that make sense yeah it absolutely does I mean first of all absolutely like it is it can be very tiring to be like oh yes I am I am gay mm. sometimes maybe a lot of the time I would say all the time I don't need to you know, yeah, same. Yeah. I think it's very clear if you've got, you know, social uh, abilities to recognise that I'm a flagrant homosexual. Um, <laughs> and so well, I don't really have that issue. But some people yeah. do. And, and I, I yeah. can't imagine their, their plight and how it's tiring. But I can't, I can't forget that, you know, I, it, it feels like, you know, when, when we live in the age of before we came out, and much like the, you know, all the all the um, queer people who came before us, when when being out wasn't an option, we learned to come out, uh, or we learned to pick up on traits and and uh, you know hints and signs to recognise each other in society. And so I feel like actually coming out in a new place is actually kind of a good thing for the other gays around you and the other queer people around you because it, it kind of mm. recognises for them that there is another. You know, there's a comrade. There's a there's a Allies. there's yeah. someone to 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 rely on or someone to identify with. Um, yeah. So I think I I personally see the positive, but that's probably because I love the attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I I think it's a positive thing as well for sure. I think it like me as well. I don't I feel like I don't have to keep coming out because the way I present myself is pretty pretty queer and gay. Um, mm. But. Um, I think also today's day and age, it's just more widely widely accepted, um, especially in our industry. I don't think anyone cares. No. Um, so it, it has become easier for sure. And I think as uh, Jack mentioned in the past, it's been harder. It's not as easy. It's not as it's not been as accepted. So people hide it more and it's more of a thing to actually come out. Whereas today, I think so many people are proud that even if you're not even really gay, you're kind of like, yeah, a little bi, a little queer, a little, little this, a little yeah. that. Um, but yeah, it's it's just accepted. I think more and more today, which is I think is beautiful, which is great. Yeah, no, thank you for for taking on that question. That wasn't wasn't pre. I didn't send that one across, so uh, 
apologies oh. for that both well, right. you know like i throw you a little curveball here and there um so how did you celebrate how did you how do you celebrate pride aside from the kind of again the preordained celebrations and the parades you know is it just about that sense of pride and like you said gabby you know being loud and proud for that month or you know are there you know how did you how did you recognize the month do you want to go Oh, I mean, oh, go for it. Yes. You, oh no, no, no. Okay. Oh, you. Oh, you kind you too. Come on. Cut take charge. Take charge. Two polite people get on a call. No, no, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we have time for. Yes, yes. Next time. Um, well, for me, I first of all, you know, kissed a lot of men. That was pretty gay. That was a good way of celebrating. Um, I tried to do a bit more you know, cultural stuff this year, which I really enjoyed actually. I've been reading this um, relatively new book called The Trans Debate by a trans author called Sean Fay. Um, and, you know, I'd never, I don't think I had done enough self, you know, knowledge or self sort of research um, beyond anything that I already knew. And I think it's, you know, at this point in time when everyone's, talking about trans people like mm. you know like they're not even in the room it's it's really important for people to build their own you know knowledge on on their side of the story and their personal lives and and, and stories um i also went to the um photographer's gallery and saw a um an exhibition called a good man is hard to find which was sort of this uh clandestine sort of showcase of um, male bodies throughout media post-war and how it was still illegal but you know they were really pushing the boundaries being like oh how saucy was this and that was, mm. that was really enjoyable um, but yeah that's that's how I personally celebrated this month yeah. excellent yeah again, again give me more, more cultural I love it how about you Gabby what, what, what was going down in uh, LA um, there, I mean, the whole month is just back to back weekends of partying and stuff. Um, so I actually, for the first time every weekend this month, I celebrated something. Um, but I, that's like, I went to a park one day, I went to a bar one time. I like just whatever was happening, I was going, um, which was the first time, uh, cause you know, as you get older as well, it's not as easy. Um, I didn't go to a festival this year, but I think that's because those are for my 20s and I'm done with those because those are exhausting. Um, <laughs> but I did definitely a, a laid back, um, just going out, meeting new people, um, just being proud. Uh, nothing yeah. crazy, but definitely didn't just sit home and do nothing. But, so. I'm, lo I'm loving this take on partying where it's kind of exhibitions and reading some good books and yeah. yeah, just kind of, yeah, hanging out. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure your parting days are def definitely not way be behind yeah. you both, though. I'm sure yeah. I think, I think it goes, I think it goes to show as well, like, you know, as, as you get prouder, as you celebrate more and more prides, you feel like you don't need to always go to the parade. You don't need to do yeah. all the biggest, and, right. you know, over the top stuff. I can go to yeah. pride dressed in black and white. But I'm still as colourful on the inside. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that sounds really corny, but um, yeah, that's that's how I do I like feel. That. Um, yeah, I suppose it's just a testament to how we we actually don't do very exciting things at all. It's not as if we're doing, you know, yeah. skydiving with rainbow smoke yeah. coming out parachutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did actually. Uh, I went to uh, the the pride parade. Mm. Um, and I just found like it was the first time I had went sober, actually, for which was crazy. But it was just such a nice 
like you look around and you just see everyone out you see moms with kids you see you you see just every type of person just mm. exuding happy energy and it's just the energy is so great to be around it's like I, I, let's do this every weekend when you yeah. come out here every weekend but yeah, yeah really nice yeah i mean just just the pure message of pride is just about well it's love, love is love isn't it it's like my exactly. my little boy has a pride badges war since we launched qvfx just because he loves the colors and he wears it right on the school it's run pure. every morning you know it's, it's very just pure. it's super cool and what i love about both of your answers is about i, I attended an allyship uh, workshop a few years ago and all it, the whole conversation was about diversifying where you get your your news where you'll get your information like read a book as you say Jet, by by a trans author or by a black author you don't just go to the same fountain of 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 news and social media and, yeah. and just trying to find different perspectives and what you both kind of touched on is is that it's not just the archetype of the the big party it's actually about education and to your point jack around you know where pride started it was a it was a tough it was a rough start it wasn't all parades and yeah rainbows and uh yeah absolutely i mean i i remember i think as as more as more i've sort of or as the more i research or the more i delve back into into the history of the LGBT community, the more militant I tend to get. You know, mm. it's it's I find a new thing to be not necessarily angry, although I am angry, most of the things I, I read about, but it's it's more poignant at this point, you know. Even even actually this month I I read um about how after the uh, liberation of the um, Nazi camps, the assuming powers still still didn't recognize gay people as victims of the Nazi regime, and so the majority of them still served their prison sentences. And so that sort of history of denial mm. piles up each year, and each time you know we sort of take the time of doing our own sort of background. Um, and yeah, as I said, it, it it is a it is still a protest. It is still it's not over. We still have not got uh, equality across the board. Yeah, I can, yeah. To your point earlier about the kind of the global situation as well, in terms of mm. recognizing gay marriage as an obvious example, and and there's still death penalties that exist in certain countries. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's America. Crazy. America also oh, has the uh, the "Don't Say Gay" bill right in Florida right now. So that's a hoot. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Crazy. Yeah. Um, we'll come back to this. I'm hoping this is a, a thread that will continue throughout the set questions. Um, but I think now is the time to drop the very dramatic and very long sound effect. So are you both ready? No. I don't know I if guess I am. We're going to find Can out, you? aren't we? I'm ready. We're going to find out. Here we go. Well, here comes the dramatic sound effect. It's going to drop from a great height. And we're into the dailies. And welcome again. Okay, this is the official part of the podcast. And I know we've kind of established who you are, but I ask it on every episode, which is who, where, what, who are you, where are you, and what are you working on, but only if you're allowed to talk about it. So let's start with Gabby. Just just the quick who, where, what, and what's taking up your time right now, Gabby? Um, Who? I'm Gabby Siegel. Um, I work in the LA office um, in operations. Um, right now my time is getting eaten up by facility issues. Um, we had some leaks from the rains, which we're not used to in, in LA, um, which led to some mold, which is fun. Um, 
and yeah that's that's what's eating up my time just my facility my building that's real talk dealing with leaks oh it's it's so fun i love that i love that and jack uh, You're probably not allowed to talk about it, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not quite allowed to talk about the project itself because it's not announced, but... Pain of death. Let's go for it. Um, I am Jack Grealish. I'm based in the London office. Um, and I am currently doing the VFX shoot production, which uh, currently involves me being the conduit of three separate filming units across the globe uh, from now until march i believe um so yeah a lot of spinning plates at the moment a lot of plate photography and and shoots and reckeys and all the madness that that comes with um yeah that's what i'm doing at the moment amazing thank you both for giving us your time whether it be uh, fixing fixing leaks or managing three different filming units it's all a sort of very important work and I know I've touched on this in my intro, but how officially, how long have you worked here? Because Jack, you, I think you could almost be to the date, you know, your, your big 10 years. Is that yes. fair guess? It's, it's, I, I, don't, I quite don't know off the top of my head when the 10 years um, yeah. happens, but it's imminent. It's imminent. Um, but I started, yeah, I started 10 years ago when I was 16. And I was barely, barely old enough to actually... Um, you know, talk to people, yeah. let, alone, let alone work. It's a lovely round number as well. You've got the, the 10 years plus, uh, as I always do with yeah. these podcasts, is my my only uh, port of call for research is, is good old LinkedIn. Other social media sites are available. Um, and it's a really linear journey you've been on. It's amazing when you look at it. It's like you started off a runner, and I'd love to hear about how you got into that when we get into big breaks. But mm. when you look at the journey, it's, it occurs to you all our production trainer in London did a presentation FMX recently and did the the career path kind of linear journey. And you've literally bounced from every step beautifully over yeah. a 10 year period. I remember, I remember when Kirsty Yule was the receptionist on the generation sort of ahead of me. So yeah. no Kirsty. Um, and yeah, I think that just comes with, you know, I, I, and we'll talk about this. I mean, I never, I never did any um, studying. Like I, as I said, I was 16, I was still in sixth form um at the time so I never I never went to university I didn't I didn't really know what I wanted to do so by the time I fell into frame store it was really about kind of growing in like a innate fungus uh in the departments that would take me to be honest and and where I found my my best calling to be honest calling sounds a bit religious but you know you get you get your calling's your calling yeah you probably shouldn't call it an innate fungus, though. That's a yeah. horrible picture that I'm falling <laughs> like in my that. head. If you, it's pretty cool. Um, um, yeah. Like the last of us in Framestore. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and what about you, Gabby? Um, I've been at Framestore. I think it's I think it's seven years. I think I started in 2016, um, and I came over from MPC. I also actually started as a runner, and then moved into scheduling, scheduling, yeah, whatever no, you want to call it. And that kind of worms again. Um, and then kind of quickly jumped over to a to frame store. Um, but what was, what was the head question here? It was just how long have you worked at frame store? Oh, just a, seven it's years. very, very dry opening questions yeah. just to get us warmed up, even though we yeah. really late into the pride conversation. So you could argue we are ni- nice and nice and cozy and warm, Yeah. but uh, good to get the logistic questions out of the way. So let's get into the meaty stuff now. Thank you both. Um, it's about big breaks. So uh, your break in, in the VFX industry. So let's stick with you, Gabby, for this question. You know, how did you, yeah. you know, you both started as runners. So both really interesting career paths in, and I imagine very different routes in. 
but you both started as a runner. So Gabby, tell me about your, what you consider to be your big break. It doesn't have to be the first job. It could be the moment in your career. It's like, this is what I want to do. Um, I think I, I don't think I really had a, well, when I was in college, I was going to be an occupational therapist. Um, so I had gone back to school for some prereqs and my first class back, I was like, nah, I don't, I don't want to do any more school. So I, I was living in Orange County with my parents and I just, I said, you know what, let me move to LA. Let me maybe just get a, re- a, a job at a bar or a restaurant serving, whatever. So I was staying on my friend's couch and she said, do you want to apply to be a runner at my work? And I said, what, what is it? And she just said like office assistant stuff. I said, okay, sure. So I applied, I got the job, started as a runner. Um, eight months later, I stepped on glass at a bar um, and couldn't run anymore. So they sat me at a computer at, and I started scheduling. And I, like you said, never looked back. Um, and Jack, like you said, like a fungus, it's like, I, I started and then just where whoever needed me, I got absorbed and I was happy to be absorbed anywhere just to help. Whoever needed help, I was ready to help. Um, and I think that's kind of helped me in the position of operations where I just get to be a helper of all de- departments and, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. And all because you uh, trod on some glass. Yeah, just that's that was it. That I couldn't run. That was anymore. the catalyst. Exactly. That was, the, that was my big break. That was my big break. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, quite an unfortunate accident. But what would have happened if you? It worked in my favor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. That's great. What a great story. I'd like to think the same sort of trajectory. I think. I think post production was like a blessing yeah. in disguise. I don't know. I don't. I never knew that it existed, and I absolutely love it. So I'm in. I'm in a good place. That's so cool. And all those chance encounters. Yeah, just yeah. having a brief chat. I'll, apply you know a little bit of office support what's the worst that could happen exactly you are seven years later exactly in my career which is amazing it's so cool that's so cool yeah and and jack you've you've teased out your routine as well tell us about how you found out about the opportunity to to run at framestore uh well i think i can comfortably say i'm the least glamorous nepo baby because i um i used well i my father used to be the handyman at the old uh, London Film Office, and he got me a work experience week, and they were blown away, absolutely blown away by this prodigy, you know, jolly la- young lad. Uh, I know this prodigy, and uh, yeah. So uh, the week later, they said, "Do you want to come back? Do you fancy it?" And my mum chucked me out of bed because I was umming and ahhing because I didn't want to work because I was sixteen, and then thankfully my uh, yeah my mother kicked me up, up the bum. And I started running, did that for a couple of years. Um, obviously, I went on to reception then, which was lovely. Loved working on reception. It was beautiful, batting away sales calls and people convincing you that they're you know here to talk to William Sargent about the stationary supplies, um, which was always really great. Um, but then, you know, I, it, it was during a time where the IA office was just on the cusp of doing new departments so they were bringing in rides obviously we do a lot of dark rides now wanda was the job that came in that sort of launched all that department and then the tv department was also being set up by a producer called michelle martin and the supervisor russell dodgson and we were doing a project called mars for national geographic and they hired me as their pa and 
I absolutely fell in love with it. You know, it was it was the um, deep dive into filming. You know, there was a lot of on uh, hands on uh, time with shooting equipment and really uh, lovely sexy stuff called carnets, which is just an endurance form, which I won't go into. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like just sort of going into being utilized i think on a on a on a on yeah. an interesting level but i suppose my 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 big break was to start in the tv department uh, with michelle and russell when we did mars because from that it just got bigger and bigger and bigger you know on on series after series or onto other really cool cooler series like black mirror yeah, of course, um yeah. and then when we did dark materials that was a really great great moment because you know i was only supposed to go to we were filming in cardiff in wales i was only supposed to be there for six weeks helping out during the shoot i was only, wow. i was there for five years so it was it was quite transformative at that point because it was such a different line of work compared to what i was used to um and I, and I really think that was the sort of turning point of saying, oh, actually, this is what I want to do for my life. Like, I, I, I could see myself doing this even, God forbid, beyond Framestore. Um, so, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's the point, I think, of, of what my big sort of turning point was. Yeah, I love the conversation about big breaks because often people think about big breaks as the first entry point, you know, like, like we've said, the runner role. And yeah. as you've rightly said, you had that, opportunity that platform and then there's the opportunity to be exposed to the world you're in at the moment and then that for me is almost a more meaningful break I mean at what point for you Gabby in your role in the facilities team did you go right I want to do this now because obviously you came in for a similar route where it was like hey give this job a go you know it's a bit of office work see what sticks at what point did you go like I want to tough that this is this is the right role for me was there a point um I knew that I wanted to do or keep doing post-production when I moved to Framestore. Um, I think at my old company, there was some like just bad eggs of people, I think. And I was like, I don't know if I wanna work in an industry where people can treat other people like this. Um, but then I moved to Framestore and I just started to get familiar with all the people. And I think just the people at Framestore was enough to make me be like, wait, I wanna work with these people forever. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I think, and like I said, any job that I've ever had, even outside of, of post-production, I've just enjoyed working. So I'm, I'm a happy worker with whatever I'm doing as long as I can be helpful. Um, but I think at Framestore, it's just such a special group of people that I felt at home and just I could see me doing this forever with these people. I love that. Sure. It's like you know what the next question is going to be, Gabby, because the next question is the what I call the big, the big cheesy question, which is what's the best thing? Oh. about being part of Framestore where everybody the people. Oh, yeah, says the yeah. people but I'm I'm here to be proven wrong for me it's 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 the people I think um the work that we do is awesome just like because it is um but just to surround myself every day and wake up to the people that I wake up to and being able to solve problems with them getting on meetings with them it's just a fun a fun time for me it's not work I I love working I don't get the Sunday scaries I I'm into it I'm here for the long haul. Oh, I love the term Sunday scaries. I'm borrowing that. Not that I get them. But no, if I yeah. did, I'll use that. What <laughs> uh, about you, Jack? What's the best thing about being part of the Framestore community? Uh, I think it's, I mean, for me, I think it's because, I think it's how 
open and how varied it is. You know, it's there are so many different departments. There are like there are departments that you can go for years and not have a single clue what they do because you never really interact with them. Frame Store has so many different sort of tendrils that go out, and I love that. I love how even from you know coming from my um, background as a runner, not having any experience, it felt as if I was this sort of stem cell that could go anywhere and develop anywhere I wanted and I could choose and I could test out the waters it wasn't cut and dry it wasn't uh, a you know it wasn't a really bleak output if I didn't like it I didn't feel pressured to find something else because there was always yeah. something else to do um, and it, it it varies to other people's tastes you know you know the the film workflow is completely different to the VR workflow or the onset workflow. It's it's a real sort of smorgasbord of um, of expertise, and I love that. Particularly from a kind of career point of view, you know, whenever we go to outreach events and schools and colleges, when you really think about it, the visual effects industry embraces every type of work because you've got your super duper creatives, you've got the people who can paint and draw and do amazing sculptures, then you've got your super techie people or the people who have these amazing mathematical you know, geometrical minds that can do the, this amazing magic on the box. But then you also have these these amazing project managers, you know, like yourself, Jack, you know, people who can pull people together and, and get the job out of the door. I mean, there's so many different personality types and and, and, and talents within the industry. I mean, I've, I've, I've distilled that right down. I mean, I'm sure there's so much more we can say, but it really does feel like a walk, like that smorgasbord that you, you referenced, Jack. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and as you said, there's so many different, um, there's so many different smart people yeah. here as well. It's, it's really, really impressive of how many genuinely, um, yeah. humble geniuses that the building that, well, not just the yeah. building, but the company houses and that, that, and now that is cheesy. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> you brought it, you brought us, you brought us back on the cheese train. Thank you, Jack. You're welcome. So still on kind of uh, the frame store questions, I want to talk briefly about the, the shows. And uh, it's always a bit of an unfair question, whether you, you work hands-on on the shows or not, we're, we're all part of that whole pipeline, is, you know, if you had to, it's almost the show you'd show to an alien. If you could recommend one show that truly showcases frame store at its very best, what would it be? Um, start with you, Jack. What's your take on that? What would be the ultimate frame store product? See, I'm quite biased because obviously I worked on, on the show for five years, but I genuinely do. His Dark Materials does have a good yeah. standing in the race. Um, this question, partly because you've got to consider that a lot of the shows that any visual effects company does is yeah. shared with a lot of other vendors. So it's really rare to have a show that, that frames all could just say, this is ours. This is, this is completely us. And the reason why I think it, puts frames where it's best is because a it's a creature show and frames where is you know obviously worldwide renowned for its creatures and dark materials we had shots where you know they were throwaway shots mm. shots that no one batted an eye and it was a you know gorgeous snow leopard coming down and sitting down by the fire and it was you know that wasn't that wasn't the hard bit to say that that is just the easy part and that's fine i think goes to stand of you know what the show did and what frames was capable of and 
and obviously it's a, it's an episodic format so it's it's really constricted with the with the schedules it's really constricted with the resources as opposed to all the freedom and money that you can get by no by no means was it a cheap show but mm. you know films are often larger budgets um for the quantity of work um and yeah i just think that feat of just getting it done and and getting it done really well yeah that 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 takes my vote that's a great shout, and it has come up a, a bunch of times. I should start keeping a tally of the uh, the shows that come up. I mean, has it really yeah, it's come it's up. Good. I mean, funnily enough, it came up on Russell's episode, but your oh, name is also biased. <laughs> but it's, it's be, beyond that, beyond the people that we've had on that have worked on uh, HDM, it still does come up as a as a popular one because it is, you know, it's the ultimate showcase of our creature work. Yes, of course, you know, you've got Rocket and yeah. and Paddington, etc. But actually, you know, the amount of creatures in that show across all three seasons is, is ridiculous. And that's just the creature stuff, let alone the, all the other amazing visuals that we worked on. But in terms of what Frame Store is famous for, absolutely, it's right there, right? Absolutely. Good answer, Jack. Thank you. Right, Gabby, follow that. What have you got for us? Um, Ultimate Frame Store show. It's tricky because it's, it's hard to like bring one product that we've created to the forefront because i think also just all the magic happens behind the scenes when you see what goes into making some of this stuff even towers like small commercials um yeah i think recently we've we put out um the nike project um and we've just recently yeah, wrapped cool. a show as well but i think those um showcase just our ability to do brand new stuff um innovative stuff on how to get shows out the door, um, stuff that people haven't done before, but we're going to, you know, hmm. learn it, implement it and do it successfully, I think is amazing how, how Framestore does that. Um, the, the innovative stuff, the new concepts that we're able to implement and put into a, a project to see, or, you know, we, we just did the, the Nike project, which did hmm. a lot of facial recognition and deep fake stuff, which we haven't done a lot of, but it was needed on the show. Everyone learned how to do it and it was implemented and yeah. executed. Um, so just to see the behind the scenes of what we're capable of doing um, is yeah. amazing. That, that Nike spot was great, wasn't it? And and yeah, I often see a lot of the work we do, particularly on, uh, actually on film and episodic as well, particularly in commercials, because the turnaround is so quick that there's that real sandbox approach. Let's play around with this new tech, that new tech, and particularly all the advances in deep fake. I mean, it was a great, it took me back to the old days of kind of, is it right the future? I'm not a massive football fan, but there was that big Nike Nike um, feature length commercial, I think the mill were involved in back in the day. And again, it was this big event, wasn't it? And that took me back to those kind of World Cup Nike Nike spots. But it was very, very cool. I know James uh, James Raz was talking about it on the, one of our episodes earlier in the year. Yeah, it was definitely one of our biggest, hardest, longest ones that we did, but it was very successful, I think, in the end. Uh, that's a great both two very very good shouts thank you both well that was part one don't miss out on part two of the Framestore podcast happening this Thursday we'll pick up where we left off delving into further conversations that celebrate Pride Month and of course tackle the remaining dailies questions we'll see you then